a Highline podcast. We live in a complicated and fascinating world that invites us to dive deep into its intricacies. Exploring the ideas and events that excite, intrigue, irritate, and confound us is how we graduate our knowledge beyond meme culture. Join us over a cocktail as we expand our understanding and share in the beauty we find along the way. I'm Stephen Torna. I'm Kat Dwyer. And I'm Stephen Henning. Welcome to the Whiskey Bench. Hello. Well, hello. Um, <laughs> how's everyone? How's everyone doing? <laughs> Great. Excellent. Great. Uh, we just had a delicious dinner with some beautiful people. We had Mr. Caleb and Shiloh Lasloffy. As well as special guest, elder, patriarch of the Lasloffy home, Jeff. Uh, wow. So he's nice. hanging out, telling great stories. Always a treat to have him in the house. So Jeff is great. Yes. He's lovely. And uh, yeah, so good dinner. My belly's full. You survived your hunting trip, even though it snowed. I did. It was super fun. So went hunting last week. First time doing any sort of big game hunting. Uh, got worked. Lots of running around, up and down, up and down. And you were out there for what, like four days? Uh, four days. Yeah, that's a long. It was good. We lots of hiking. It was the most hiking I've done in like months. And it snowed Wednesday, Thursday. So Tuesday night it snowed when we got in, okay. and then Wednesday it was super snowy and windy, and then Thursday. It was just super cold. Thursday's when and windy. Bozeman got dumped oh, on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, dumped on. And then Friday, it was not that cold, and it rained. <laughs> and then Saturday, it was beautiful and just muddy. Yeah. <laughs> just slippery, gross. Not even like sticky mud that sticks to your boots, but just like on flat ground, you're slipping. Yeah. Really weird. Uh but it wow. was super fun. I actually saw elk and it motivated me to chase them around. And they were always just like right out of reach. But a buddy of mine ended up getting an elk. Nice. So I got to help clean it. I learned how to skin and clean it, uh, butcher it in the field. And we packed it out. It was great. Yeah. There was a lot of guys there. Now people were kind of coming in every day. But at the busiest time, there was like probably 12 dudes at this cabin. And it was just a blast. I was probably the youngest person there. There's just a lot of really good experienced hunters, a lot of really cool, solid guys. So it was it was great to to hang out with them. And I don't know, as a guy, there's like nothing better than just like man time. <laughs> <laughs> man stuff. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Did you make cocktails for anybody while you were there? Uh no, but we drank a lot of beer and wine. Nice. But every night, like we all cooked dinner together and uh some good food and a lot of guys there are great cooks and good barbecuers and so like gourmet food good drinks beautiful cabin and the crazy yeah it was nice and how it's several hundred Mm. acres backed up to the the forest service land or is it thousands uh no no they've got a couple hundred acres and then it backs up to a bunch of public land yeah i don't know exactly what it's it's public land i don't know exactly what it is but mr henning what'd you do Oh yeah, we did vacation. Uh, my family oh, yeah. had an like an Airbnb uh, 
spot up in the Teton village mm, outside right. of Jackson Hole. Yeah. So um a lot of sleeping in, a lot of good food, a lot of just hanging out. Like the living room had like the biggest, like very comfortable armchairs and a really big like stone fireplace. So we just kept a fire going and just kind of like hung out. That was pretty much so it. Nice. It sounds really boring, but that's like my ideal vacation of like no expectations of sightseeing or being touristy. Sounds lovely. Like we went into town a couple times to like hit the shops, find a coffee shop, you know, have some, have a restaurant night, stuff like that. But otherwise, yeah, we were just making each other food and hanging out. I got my family to play D&D for the first time. <laughs> awesome. Did you like help them make characters or did you give them... Yeah, at least so the I, illusion of choice, or I I built some characters for them, and I DM'd for my first time ever, and uh, yeah, we played DM'd. like a two-hour session, Dungeon Master. So I, I ran the game. Was gonna guess that. <laughs> yeah. Did you do a uh, like uh, pre-made campaign one-up kind of deal, or yeah, yeah, yeah? I started something that was uh pretty well established as like beginner D and D, like it has that reputation. Um. And it was something that actually Dixie and I started with with our group, uh, gosh, almost two years ago now. Um, so like I had played the session that I led my family through, so I kind of knew the beats of it already, and I didn't have to do a ton of work to prep. So, yeah, man, it was a lot of fun nice. hanging out with my uh, my nephew is always a delight. The kid mm -hmm. is like he's learning how to mirror faces now. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it was just a, a week of just like making goofy faces at him and seeing if he could figure him out. It was oh, awesome. That sounds fun. Yeah. Kat, you had a week off? No. Well, cause we, cause I mean, oh, from, right, from, cause we didn't record, we didn't record last week. Like, no, I worked the I whole like, week. I had a very you lazy bums. Week. <laughs> <laughs> no, Thursday was nice. Thursday I went and hiked to Storm Castle and nobody was there because, and I, I went early because I knew the snow was coming, but I was freaking hell bent on getting a hike in. So nice. it was nice. Had a harrowing drive out through the canyon. I'm sure. Yeah. Some, uh, two trucks in, ahead of me. Decided to come to a stop to make a left turn without like getting into a turning lane. Oof. Um, so all of a sudden, the guy in front of me was slamming on his brakes, and there was about a gap, truly the width of a car, between the truck and then the side railing. So it was like this narrow little chute you had to make it through. And as soon as he started to brake, I obviously had to brake. And we both, I mean, it was right as it was starting to really dump and the roads were icy and we oh. both started fishtailing. I thought for my initial thought was like, I'm going to total my truck. Like we weren't going fast enough that I was going to get hurt, but I thought I'm for sure going to screw uh, up my truck. Oh, yeah. And then he shoots the gap and then I'm just like, oh, and I hold her straight and I shoot the gap. Holy moly. And then we got to four corners and I take a right and he was going straight. So I passed him and I was like. Give him a thumbs up. <laughs> and then I was like, I hope you don't think I'm being sarcastic. Like, this is like a genuine, like, <laughs> nice job, man. Because if he had screwed up, then it would have been like a pile up. Right, you know? right. So anyway, that was the most excitement of my week. Otherwise, I was stretching and sleeping and working. All right. Well, that sounds nice, too. But yeah, the, uh, the, the story, mm -hmm. the moral of that is that winter is here. coming. It's here. <laughs> yeah, true, true. It, it's here. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> that means hot drink season, mm -hmm. which is what we have tonight. Nice. So uh, we are drinking a hot buttered bourbon tonight. 
good. And I gotta say, it's nice. good. It's very good. Nice. So I was gonna do like some tequila drink with grapefruit, and <laughs> something else, but then I was like, "Cat, what do you want?" And she said some sort of hot drink. So I did a little digging. I didn't have any rum, but I have bourbon. So whipped up some some spiced butter that I can keep in the fridge now. Yeah. And uh, just whipped it up. Yeah. I mean, just, he really did just whip it up. Yeah. It's, it's very impressive. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> this is something that anyone that's listening. This is delicious, and it can be used in all sorts of things. All you got to do is get half a cup of butter, so like a half stick, right? Or is a stick a half a cup? Yeah, a so mini stick is a half a cup of butter. So you get a half a cup of butter, mm-hmm. uh, half a cup of packed brown sugar, like two tablespoons of maple syrup, half a teaspoon of cinnamon, quarter teaspoon of nutmeg, Probably like a quarter teaspoon of salt, some cloves if you have them. I didn't have any ground clove, so there's no cloves in there. Uh, and then you whip it up, mix it real well. You can throw it in the freezer or the refrigerator. And then to actually make the drink, you get yourself two ounces of bourbon or rum or rye, just a dark liqueur really, and uh, add it to a mug, top it off with hot water. And then you add like a teaspoon, like a heaping teaspoon of the butter mixture, and you just mix it up. That's it. What Delightful. an easy drink once yeah. you've made the butter. Delightful. And then I happened to have a little jar of some bourbon and vanilla sorghum. What is sorghum? Sorghum is like molasses. Okay. Um, and so I added a little bit of that, so that gives it a little bit of that vanilla flavor and nice. kind of that. Uh, again, kind of tying into that brown sugar flavor and everything like that. But yeah, it's easy, and you can store it in your refrigerator, and it lasts forever. I'm sure, you could put it in coffee, put it in and on toast. You know how like there was that you know, like people do like the on toast, the bullet coffee or whatever <laughs> that's just like butter mixed with your coffee. Oh yeah, yeah. This is basically bulletproof. Yeah, yeah. You put some of your sugar and butter in your in your coffee in the morning, and it's like bullet coffee. What? Yeah, that defeats the purpose though, because the bulletproof <laughs> coffee is a very like keto thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those sugars sugar. fuck that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a little bullet bourbon. There you go. And it's really oh, on yeah. there you go. That's more Torn of a branding bullet. thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's yeah. Fair. <laughs> yeah, when Dixie and I make the uh, the butter side of hot buttered rum, we just like roll it into a tube in Saran wrap, oh, and then we just like, cut. We just cut it. a yeah. We just cut a disc oh. off, put it in the bottom of the mug, and pour the water on top that's of it. That's so smart. I'm gonna that's do a that. good idea. Because so then you don't have to try to like. Yeah. Dig it out of a container when it's broken. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. You just roll it in saran wrap and Smile. it's like cutting a slice off of like a tube of pepperoni or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've never had this drink before. It's quite good. You're really turning me on to whiskey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're into whiskey bench. I like it. <laughs> nice. You know, maybe uh, <laughs> not, not this month, but uh, maybe like January. Let's do like a bourbon month. Ooh. We'll do all bourbon. I love a themed month. Yeah, yeah, maybe that. And that would be easy for actually prepping. Because um, you could just, like, lean on one bottle at a time. Right, right. All right. That's fun. Guys, so, this might this might be good. Like, we'll do bourbon January and, you know, whatever. Rum Ginny February. June. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I like that. Yeah, Ginny moonshine June, May. July, August. That's brilliant. <laughs> Is there um, any colorful history behind this cocktail? Or? 
just a good old prank. I actually don't know because this was this was real spur of the moment. It was. You're right. I'm sorry. But... I know that too. Why, man? <laughs> <laughs> you were there at its there. inception. What am I doing? <laughs> well played. Um, I mean, a lot of cultures have butter, but I feel like butter and sugar. It has to be probably like because you have sugar. 1700s i bet it's like a late 1700s european drink like dutch or something it's a oh. what is it called a butter rum yeah hot, hot butter rum. rum like dutch did dutch ever have like a settled like jamaica or something or like a settled you know like sugar cane plantations and things like that it was the 1650s when Jamaica became oh. it began importing molasses to colonial America. Oh. New England started opening distilleries where the colonists then began adding distilled rum to hot beverages such as toddies and nogs, creating hot buttered rum, eggnog, and others. There you go. There she is. A little is. earlier than I thought. But that makes is. sense because there was rum. Rum was starting to be in, introduced in the 1600s. So cool. Mm -hmm. Hot buttered rum, the 1650s project. <laughs> Stupid. There it is. Stupid. Stupid joke. I will raise my glass of delightful Lagavulin 16 tonight. I am mm -hmm. on the, uh, the, the top end of this bottle, and it's so good to be back. It does occur to me, though, that this, this weird hiatus I just finished where I, was, I kept drinking beers instead of whiskeys. You guys aren't here with me. I could have just like been lying to you this whole time and just drank a beer and told you that <laughs> it would have eaten at your soul if you had done that. Yeah. 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 I think we so. We would have picked up on it somehow. <laughs> you think? Yeah. I was told really when I was in, in your city. Yeah. yeah. Henning, why are you burping? Yeah. <laughs> why are you burping at me? <laughs> Shut up. I didn't chug a white claw. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I was told in high school, this is not something to be proud of, but I was okay. told I was a good liar. Oh. Oh, wowzers. Okay. Yeah. What? Yeah. In what context here? Like, oh. I, like you're playing poker? Uh, no. Like, Steven, I'm, you're so good at bluffing? <laughs> no. Well, yeah. I... You don't no, you don't have to get into this. Lying to your teachers. <laughs> so, it, it was you, a lot you, of lying to my parents. A lot oh, of deception. Oh, yeah. oh, oh my God. gotcha. I was totally that kid too. I used to have friends come to me and they'd be like, hey, this is the thing I'm trying to do. My parents are going to let me. What story should I concoct? And how I'd do be you, like, let me help you out. Yeah. How do I craft plausible <laughs> deniability yeah. in all sorts of... Wow. Yeah. Did you charge money? I should have, but no, you I should not. have. This could have been the beginning of a beautiful <laughs> entrepreneurial pursuit. Free, I know, it could have free been. market of like uh, freelance deceptors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Deceptors, yeah. I'm just liberating children to live their lives. <laughs> that's that sounds bizarre. That's a really <laughs> does sound really bizarre. <laughs> that's a, that's a really that. rough way of <laughs> saying that you're encouraging children to rebel against yeah, reality. Right. <laughs> that's, yeah. So that's fun. Yeah, but I'm actually <laughs> drinking whiskey, and I was actually drinking beer then. I never lied to you, but good, thank you. It was, I could have, completely, I could have. Well, we will, uh, we will fear that power that you have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> now you don't know because I've told you I'm a good liar. 
I will never really be. We'll never trust a single thing you say. <laughs> nope. <laughs> JK. Killed my reputation right there. <laughs> Should you be allowed to lie, Henning? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was like. Is Henning trying to do a segue right now? Is that what's happening? <laughs> Unbelievable that you guys couldn't figure that one out. <laughs> well, no, no. We yeah, knew yeah, it, but yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure if you were trying to naturally convince the audience. <laughs> we just blew our cover. Segway. Everyone knows. Oops. You could edit this out. <laughs> no. Oops. I feel like there's so many moments in this podcast where I say we should edit that out. I never it do. Never gets edited out. <laughs> we just we have to. We want the authenticity, right? Sure, sure. Like, sure. let's humiliate ourselves. Yes. With our inability to have natural segues and things and such. Yeah. Mm. Perfect. <laughs> A year of practice. Yeah. 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 All right. So <laughs> we we blew this big time tonight. We want to discuss lying specifically, Kat, if you would like to elaborate, because this is your idea. Sure. Yeah. Um, Well, this is something I've been wanting us to explore for a while now, Um, but there are a lot of concerns about disinformation and misinformation, Mm -hmm. which there's a distinction there, Um, and increasingly there are calls for some sort of governmental oversight to prevent misinformation from percolating and spreading throughout Mm -hmm. our society um and so my question is do we have the right to lie and should we have the right to lie So I feel like there's two conversations available to us, and one is kind of a moral, ethical conversation, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. one is a legal conversation. Yes. And I, I feel mm-hmm. like you're leaning toward legal based on your framing, but I wanted to make sure I didn't start going down the wrong path. No, I'm actually totally down to explore both. I think this is a giant subject, and we could probably and probably will have multiple episodes sure. discussing this. So Sure. Um, and I think legally there's a framework in place but it's restricted for good reason um and so that i mean i guess the debate there would be should we expand the restrictions on when and where and how you can lie or or consume and spread misinformation or lies Mm -hmm. um which misinformation isn't necessarily a lie it's just something potentially presented without proper context whereas disinformation is an intentional is an intentional lie meant to mislead correct yeah there's actually a two distinct definitions um misinformation refers to false or out of context information that is presented as fact regardless of de- de- excuse me as regardless of intent to deceive so you don't you don't have to intentionally be trying to deceive someone but you're sharing something that isn't necessarily accurate or presented with the right context which that to me is so freaking squishy right that um trying to create any sort of like legal recourse around that is a nightmare um and disinformation is a type of misinformation okay that is intentionally false and intended to deceive or mislead so yeah one has intent behind it 
Cool. And one does not. Which in a legal arena, intent is mm-hmm. already a famously hard thing. Thing to actually prove. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Like intent is the difference between murder and manslaughter. Right. Right. <laughs> like right. big deal. <laughs> right. Well, and, and like perjury, which would be like the willful misstatement of fact mm, is yeah. incredibly hard to prove. So people who like, um, I think you would be cautioned to take up a case of perjury. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you, Henning, if you have- I feel um, like there's a good joke in here somewhere about like the legal repercussions and like people would go to purgatory. Purgatory. Something like that. But I'll think, I'll think on that Keep one. working on it. <laughs> it's a good punchline. <laughs> it's something. We can close with that. <laughs> no, no, no. I can't be thinking about a joke the whole episode. I won't focus. Yeah, right. <laughs> Amazing. Mm. Perjured myself in purgatory. Yes. That sounds like a bad country song. What? <laughs> wow. Okay, so we have misinformation. We have disinformation. Um, and the difference being intent behind it. Sure. Yeah. And legally, obviously, constitutionally, free speech is protected, right? And Yeah, the First, specifically, Amen- First Amendment is pretty cool. Right. I'm into it. Sure. Big time. Big fan. Um, I heart the First Amendment. Um, and, and I think where this gets complicated is that amendment specifically prohibits Congress from passing a law to limit speech and freedom of the press, mm-hmm. right? So, how could you possibly create a government apparatus to regulate speech? Ooh, um, you and, pull a 1984 and make a Ministry of Truth, right? Well, <laughs> under the, I, under well, the executive what, checkmate. I well, it. what is actually occurring? <laughs> um. Or I shouldn't say occurring, but uh, what is um, being lobbied and discussed is basically using these platforms that we communicate on as the surrogate to enforce what Uh, would be those laws. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the sort of joke about the Ministry of Truth... um, this was shortly after the election, um, and there was a lot of sort of hysteria around this. And it's kind of, I don't think it's actually died down, but mm-hmm. it's just become um, more like behind the scenes lobbying and less like headline news. Um, but shortly after the election, New York University's Stern Center for Business and Human Rights released a brief that argued that the federal government should press Facebook, Google, and Twitter to improve content policies and cooperate with these companies on enforcement. And so like that, so again, that's like one route is to Mm -hmm. lean on these companies to enforce what would be these laws. Sure. So I want to narrow in here, focus in, because I'm a little bit, it seems like we're really broad right now. We are, yeah. Let's back way up and say, should we have the freedom to lie? If you don't have the freedom to do something, does that immediately mean that there's some sort of legal repercussion to it. So if you aren't free to lie, then liars must legally be taken care of. Like, is it one or the other? You know what I'm trying to say? I'm not sure I do. Like, we might have the freedom to lie, 
or even if you don't have the freedom to lie, in the sense of like Facebook is censoring, that would be inhibiting your freedom to lie. But if you lie, there's not like a legal repercussion for it. It might be that you get banned for a few days or right something like that right but so so we're talking about actual like constitutional legality government is controlling truth and lie i guess maybe maybe this um maybe the conversation should should start kind of on moral grounds and hmm. and um more like ideological grounds of mm -hmm. whether or not we think we should be able to to lie or engage in things in falsehoods that's such a weird that's such a fun line because like should be able to and should mean completely right. different things right okay okay should be able to y yeah i mean if like you choose yeah my gut should that be a choice my, my yeah my gut is like well yeah first amendment protects speech and the able to part is really what that law cares about right but then what you like to your point what the the moral ethical ideological conversation is like should you engage in deception should you have a policy of you know honesty wherever possible but even that wherever possible is subject to whoever's engaging in the speech, I suppose. Right, in the context and whether mm -hmm. whether the lying potentially is leading to a virtuous end. Which those might be rare circumstances, but there may be circumstances where that's the fact and morally maybe it is Oh wow, and this is if this is where it gets into um, more the philosophy side of it that would be people lie and I, I believe that you should never lie but I lie and people lie right mm -hmm. and even through a lie with my worldview good things can come from it but yeah. the lying was still morally reprehensible that's a strong word It is, but I mean, lying's really bad. At least I think it is. And I lie. <laughs> I've been drinking whiskey this whole time. <laughs> Does, would that harm you if you learned that I had been drinking whiskey? Is that reprehensible had I done that? Uh, maybe not in like. What are the consequences? Because I feel like that's the main question right when it comes to like the philosophical uh consequences is is the thing so like a lie saying for the purposes of our show because we're called the whiskey bench and i should be the guy always drinking whiskey because i'm not there to drink the cocktails like i could be sipping a montucky but i'm like sure. yeah i'm drinking whiskey because we're like you know building a brand or whatever sure does that harm anyone if like the truth comes out it it harms our reputation as being at least you know some people will be like oh yeah i get it but on paper you know we say things we voice opinions and we try to present them 
in the best way we can. And if you're willing to lie about drinking whiskey or not, maybe you're willing to lie a little bit about something that you heard or your perspective on something. Hmm. And so I think it definitely can lead to tainting your reputation Mm. um, in a bigger sense. So yes, maybe reprehensible is a, is a strong word, but at least in my own life, it's like when I look at things that are, that are, I consider morally wrong or that I am convicted of, right? Mm -hmm. Between me and God, I shouldn't lie. And I lie. And I would consider that reprehensible. When you say you lie, what do you lie about? Like what they call white lies? Yeah, white lie. Yeah. He did have cloves, the bastard. (laughs) Just didn't want to grate them. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) But, But it happens, or, you know, Someone like, for example, with work, someone says something or like, hey, did you get this thing ordered? <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I did. And I totally didn't. And then the next day I'll do it. Why did I lie to my client? Don't say this. <laughs> That's really bad. And I've done it. You should lie about saying that right now. <laughs> no, I want to be honest. <laughs> right. That's wrong. I'm misleading somebody and I shouldn't do that. Right, but, but probably your calculus at the time is I'd rather not upset them and sure. have them worry and And I will still have it done end, on deadline. It's all the same. Yeah. Exactly. Right, right. So. But doesn't that if like now this is public, but doesn't that taint my reputation? And I and I can only prom- <laughs> not until you put it on your podcast. Sure, sure. <laughs> and I can only promise that I am honest in like the financial side of my business. But if I'm willing to lie about something stupid like I forgot to order the windows my client finds out, like, it taints my reputation, and then I have to work on proving. Well, that's true. Right. I, I am honest yeah. in my business. Sure. Or I should be honest in my business. I think there are times, though, especially in your professional life, when you can be in a situation where it makes sense to withhold certain information because. Withholding information is not the same as lying. Not always, but sometimes they overlap. What's an example of this? I don't know. You withheld that you hadn't ordered the part and you just casually said, yeah, it's taken care of. It's kind of taken care of. You know you need to do it and you're going to do yeah. it tomorrow. Like if I knew that it needed to be done and I didn't do it yet, I wouldn't be like, hey, so-and-so, I forgot to do this, yada, yada, yada. But if I am asked and addressed, at least I believe, and this is where I fall short, I should be forward and say, wow, I dropped the ball. Let me fix this. Or you could present it in a different way and say like, I have not yet, <laughs> but it's fine. I'm going to order them tomorrow. The time frame of when they're delivered is mm. blah, blah, blah. Right. And, you know, yeah, there's a different way to present it. Cat, if but, you were this but that's client. that's a truthful way to present it. Maybe that's misinformation though, because you're presenting something without full context and you're misleading them thinking something's already been done when it hasn't right cat if you were this client who's being lied to sorry torna that this became the thing we latched onto but um if you were this client and you learned that torna had like you know he said he ordered it when they asked on tuesday and then he actually ordered it wednesday everything still got done on time like within the foot the uh directives of the quote or whatever um, 
but would you still feel any, like if you learned the truth about it, would you feel any like sense of resentment for Torna not presenting like the, the world to the fullest extent of his knowledge? Like, I think it depends on a whole host of other contexts, but if he did the job well, mm-hmm. and knowing his pleasant demeanor, I would probably <laughs> let it slide and not let it taint my perception sure. of him yeah. and his work. Um, if that was one of many half-truths and a shoddy job on top of it, then yeah, I'd have a different view of his, you know his reputation would be lowered in my mind. Mm. But one white lie wouldn't tank the whole thing. True, but in that analogy then, they're a fraction of some sort of judgment. And so you have to be very careful because it's easy to tell white lies that are seemingly harmless. Sure. But the sum of those white lies can be super detrimental. Yeah, haven't, haven't totally. you ever seen that Veggie Tales about the fit? Uh, no, the only Veggie Tale I've ever <laughs> seen in my life is the one with the blueberry that sings. Literally, the only one I've ever seen. <laughs> I used to watch that with my nieces. Nice. I think I've seen the lying one. Yeah, oh. the the fib that's this tiny little cute character, and by the end, it's like this huge, like King King Kong sized monster, like sure. running the streets, sure. right? And that's the analogy they go for, and of course. It's a cartoon about vegetables. Um, but to to your point, Torna, like um, there is the possibility, Cat, if you are the client and you learn of, you know, a white lie of him saying he ordered something, but he really ordered it twenty four hours later or something. There, there is the potential for the seed of doubt to plant, and all of a sudden, you might catch yourself wondering, like, if I do business with him again, you know, this happened. And that's fine, but maybe that's like the 5% of the iceberg I see above the water. How much else could he be lying about? And I think, Torna, that's kind of what you're getting at, is like, the yes. even the seed of one has the potential of revealing others if they exist, but it also like teaches you that you can get away with it, and you, like, by habit, begin to try bigger and bigger lies. Right, exactly. Right, if you can get away with a small one. I think it's kind of the default nature. People like an easy route. If you like what you're hearing, the best way to tell us about it would be on Apple Podcasts or on Facebook.com slash WhiskeyBenchPod for Android users. There you can leave us a five-star rating and a one or two sentence review to help others find the show. Thank you to Reagan James for the use of our theme music, The Habit, off her album, Message. Find her work on Spotify and Apple Music. Yeah, it was the day before, and I, I remember telling Ryan, like, yeah, tomorrow's episode is canceled. And he's like, well, what happened? <laughs> I was walking in a corn maze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just the message I got from you, Stephen, was great. Hey, man, sorry we can't make it tomorrow. We're going to the ER. Dixie may have broken her ankle in a corn maze. <laughs> Not even the haunted one. Yeah, like, wow, <laughs> it got real, huh? And now...
back to our conversation. Sure, yeah, when you're in a tough spot, especially in an employment situation, it's a lot easier to like tell sure. the person what they want to hear and then fix it quietly so that you don't have to deal with the repercussions of letting it down. Sure. Sure. Right. Yeah, that's probably human nature. And then there are people, I know people who are like pathological liars that just lie. Truly, that's not yeah, hyperbole, yeah. but yeah, yeah, like exactly. lie about everything right. unnecessarily. And then there's people who are like pathological liars and have really bad memories and they get like just tangled in a web of chaos that they create for themselves. No, that is that is a complicated concept though. You know, like a lot of uh oh, yeah. <laughs> neuroscientists talking about like when when you actively engage in memory, it's as if you're like you know, taking a book off the shelf, making a tiny mark and putting it back. Every time you engage in a memory, it's somehow, you know, you might start like the details might start blurring um, just because of the nature of time, right? Like you're increasingly separated from the event. So right. some people legitimately begin remembering things the way they did not happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Are they lying if they to their to the best of their memory? recount what they believe to be the truth and then it can be verified as false mm -hmm. yeah i would and say then, that's still a lie and then when you wind up just telling the people around you that lie and they believe it and then they reinforce it in you mm -hmm. over time eventually yeah everybody's network effect yeah yeah it's terrifying yeah so i mean like okay so malcolm gladwell's whole revisionist history podcast perfect example like he, he's had a ton of episodes Along these lines of like, oh, this person remembered it differently, but they're, you know, they truly believe that to be the case. Mm -hmm. That the, the network effect point is the scary one. Um, especially if we're going to start bringing it back into the arena of, um, government is that when you have boatloads of power, what are the incentives to start presenting the truth in different ways? Right. Um, yeah, especially and so willingly. How, and how could we ever build an apparatus that is vetted and trusted mm -hmm. to discern right. what is and what isn't true? Exactly. And so maybe I'm kind of jumping ahead here now. So I truly understand the idea that, hey, if someone's saying something really, really crazy, and even potentially harmful to people, shouldn't the government intervene in taking care of that? I understand that, and it seems good on paper. But the, the people that, even in recent history, have used the power of information to manipulate and control people and ultimately kill people is the government. And if you give the government that power then nobody, then they're not beholden to anyone. Right. Because they are in control of that exclusively. Mm -hmm. And I think... And that's why I'm apprehensive yeah. of the government option. I think even, even setting out, like, moving away from just, like, the framing of, like, government versus citizens, I think having truth, quote-unquote, monopolized by any, like, centralized group of people whether mm -hmm. it's a government entity or a corporate entity that 
centralization is what's dangerous. Mm -hmm. And because there are things, even just in this last year, there are like an unnerving number of examples of things that were headline news, taken as fact, repeated trillions of times on the internet and TV and radio waves, right? Like by mainstream respected outlets that are supposed to be vetting truth. Um, that eventually over time are proven to not be accurate. Um, the idea that the 2016 election was stolen as a result of Trump-Russian collusion, right? I mean, that's continuing to unravel. Um, the COVID lab leak theory. Mm -hmm. That was, you know, you weren't allowed to talk about that. Fast forward nine months and people are realizing, oh, there's actually a ton of evidence to suggest that that might actually be true. Maybe we should look into that. Um, the million plus illegal immigrant apprehensions at our southern border, right? Like that was just a normal seasonal influx. And now everyone's acknowledging, no, actually it's like unprecedented, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So there's lots of examples of that. And, um, and so I think what is key, I don't think there's any perfect solution to this. And I think unfortunately human beings are always looking for some for a perfect solution that can put a bow on something and, and solve it. Um, and I don't think it's solvable. And I think human beings are going to lie. Right. And they're going to manipulate. And I don't think we necessarily have a bad option and a good option, but there's a more efficient option in my mind. And I think really the only way to ensure that like truth can eventually rise to the surface is by widely disseminating the power and ability to share information and to share truth. Um, True. And this, this goes back to the philosophy of it. I'm someone that believes in truth as in big T. And so this kind of ties back to our way, way previous conversation about objectivity versus subjectivity, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I've even said that, like, I believe there is some sort of capital T that no matter if, you know, 99.999, everybody except for one person on earth believes one thing and another person believes the other thing, that one person can be correct because I believe there is some sort of universal truth in many things. Um, not to say that subjectivity and that kind of perception isn't uh, valid in, in various situations. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I think having the ability to lie right is important because a lot of times what we think of as a lie is from the subjective point of view or from the from the uh viewpoint of misinformation as with some of these stories and whatnot the immediate consensus is this is false, so we're going to shadow ban this. We're going to, in some cases, completely remove any discussion of it. Uh, inability to link things to certain um, stories. But then, 
as it becomes more prominent and more information is added to the story, it ends up being true. Or again, maybe it's a half-truth and the story has to be adjusted to represent what the truth is. But to, to immediately label something as, and this goes both ways, as false or true, I think is dangerous. And, you know, people say, hey, well, we have to, we need to throttle this because uh, this is potentially dangerous. We don't have a lot of information out there, so we don't want it to spread very quickly. Whereas I'm more under the, the point of view that, like, the more exposure something has and the more people find interest in it, the truth tends to work its way to the surface. And the more eyeballs that are on it and the more people that are pursuing what the truth is, the quicker that'll happen. And so the whole giving control of, of regulating that seems problematic. I think too, what's scary. And again, um, because, um, so much of what is deemed true can be subjective, right? And can change depending on what information is known. Um, and because information is dispersed so widely throughout society and no one individual or small group of individuals have enough knowledge to make efficient decisions for society as a whole, um, that's true in economics. That's the whole like knowledge problem Mises talked about why central planning doesn't work, right? Mm -hmm. There isn't enough knowledge to make efficient decisions about like prices. And then you end up distorting price signals and then you distort supply and demand and then chaos ensues. I think same goes with, with truth and information. And when you try to regulate that, you wind up, you wind up stifling the exact exchange of ideas that leads to the further information that further illuminates whatever the whatever is deemed as true at the moment and and if you stifle that you don't allow like more context more information and and a better more evolved truth whatever that is to emerge and like for an example i have various screenshots saved in my phone of uh. idiotic social media warnings and like limits on things like misinformation tags and things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if it is still hidden. I should look it up. Um, but in September, the hashtag natural immunity was hidden on Instagram. And when you tried to go to that hashtag, you got a blank screen that said, this hashtag is hidden. Posts for natural immunity have been limited because the community has reported some content may not meet Instagram's community guidelines. Um, because it's spreading misinformation. Mm -hmm. And that to me is a really, really scary overreach. Cause I guess, I guess this is maybe more of a philosophical point, but like, I think it's okay for people to be exposed to lies. And I think we can trust individuals to evaluate information and make a rational decision. They, well, not everyone is going to make a rational decision. Right. But I think think that that's okay and my sort of Mises point there might be bad information shared in the marketplace of ideas but the more ideas are shared the more good ideas will be shared and 
and I do believe there's an objective truth. So I think, you know, eventually it's cliche, but like the truth prevails, you know, like eventually rational judgment, I think succeeds. And I also think that the attempts to, to, to regulate this ultimately backfire and actually create like, I think it gives fodder to the folks who it does. spread and believe so conspiracy two, theories. Two things to that point. The first one is the Hunter Biden Biden's laptop story, right? And the whole fiasco with that and the censorship and everything like that. Turns out there is an FBI investigation into his business dealings, right? And so yeah. it was immediately red flagged, and they were like, "This is there's not enough evidence. There's plenty of." Um, talk among people that work on the Twitter board and things like that, that they were ahead of time looking for misinformation during the election. Their reason being because of the 2016 Russiagate thing, which that's a whole other topic. And then being aware that there was going to be some sort of October surprise. And so when it hit, they were like, this is unusual. There are some certain things about the story that don't line up. That's the reasoning, right? So they completely that wasn't even the reasoning the reasoning was it was that it was obtained illegally that was their excuse right okay that was their excuse yeah um they didn't let anybody even link any articles talking about it you couldn't share the link the press secretary for donald trump at the time was banned from twitter because she shared a link to what was it the uh new york post new york post Mm -hmm. A vetted source. Yeah, they've been around for... Right? And then as more and more people started to talk about it, Twitter, I think, had a little bit of a fire lit under them. And then they lifted those restrictions. They suspended the New York Post account for days. Right, exactly, which is crazy. But then they lifted those and their excuse was, oh, well, because so many people are talking about it now, it seems like... It's a valuable, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, Jack came out and apologized, right. too. Well, sort of. He right. said that he, they didn't handle it well. That's basically what he said. Which, I, again, I can sort of understand the idea that these companies don't want certain things floating around. Whether it's motivated or not, I don't want to get into that. But what gets sticky is that then, at what point do established journalists or publications who have their own standards for vetting and things like that, their own private sources, anonymous sources. Like Twitter's going to say that the, you know, one news source isn't as reliable as the other when we know that all of these sources are, are putting out, frankly, false information. Sure. I mean, well, the irony is we spent the majority of Trump's presidency with every major media institution promulgating eight and out and out lie. And the more mm-hmm. information that we're learning, it actually was Russian disinformation that they were sharing. Right. Like right. Igor Denchenko has just been indicted and he was the primary subsource of the Steele dossier, which is none of it is substantiated and that's what the entire FISA warrant that the FBI used to spy on the Trump campaign was predicated on. Mm-hmm. And it turns out increasingly like Steele and Danchenko were on 
the Clinton and Democrat Party campaign's payroll through their law firm, Perkin Coy. And increasingly, we're learning that the FBI knew that as early as, like, early 2017 Mm -hmm. and kept it going. And major media institutions, whether they knew it or not, spread that lie. Mm -hmm. And that was a lie. And they spread it for years. Yeah. And so what would that have looked like? Should Trump and his administration say, said, we know that this isn't true and this is dangerous information and we don't want MSNBC and CNN and all the rest like talking about this because it's dangerous and it's a lie. So we're going to regulate it. And or if we can't regulate it, then we are going to pressure Twitter and Facebook to not allow any articles that talk about this to be shared. Mm-hmm. Right, you have to what put. What that look like? And this is the perspective to, to put it in, right? Because it's like it that makes sense, right? There's this conflict of interest where anybody that is in power, whatever in quote side you're on, there's a conflict of interest, whether it's in quote justified or not. Which I would say, on paper, anything about the whole Russia collusion thing would be justified to say this is false, this is a lie. We're gonna block it. But that's that's highly suspect, right? Sure. And just flip the roles. Biden's in office. Okay. Anything that comes out about Biden stuff, the Biden administration, even if the information we put out is false, they put in the the butcher block or the 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 butcher knife down on it. Like nobody should want that. Right. And I think often and libertarians fall into this trap. I would describe it as saying you know well twitter's a private company they can do what they want they Mm -hmm. can have you know instagram can have its community guidelines and it can hide information if it wants to if it deems that it's you know against whatever it's amorphous swishy guidelines are that change Mm -hmm. regularly and i guess maybe to some degree in theory sure but i think practically speaking because and now we're not not necessarily wading into specifically Section 230. I think as we've already talked about, that's like people have confused what that means <laughs> and just use that as kind of a label of like censorship, which is like not really what it's actually getting at. But I think looking at the at, at our landscape and thinking practically about it, these platforms are... I think, Henning, you disagree with this, but I kind of do think that they are like our virtual public square and like how. I mean, it allowing yeah. them to to censor speech to me is like. I guess they're so centralized and they're so powerful that. It's equivalent to government censorship, right? Like that censorship limits you pretty. In a pretty wide ranging way. Right. And like that is how we communicate. Like if my organization got kicked off of Instagram or Twitter, it'd be a problem. You know, like that's how we communicate. So so I think to just write it off as like they're a private business, go somewhere else. Where the hell else are you going to go for that kind of communication? You know, you're not right. Like nobody's going to fucking parlor. (laughs) So but then but then how do but then it's like, how do you actually prevent how do you limit them from 
from I don't I don't I'm not advocating, though, for like the government to regulate big tech to prevent it from regulating individuals, because I think that will just <laughs> obviously I don't right, trust the government. It's to, just government yeah. censorship. That's putting them closer yeah. in bed, honestly. Right. So, you know, I don't I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I do know, I think that the marketplace of ideas should be like freewheeling and I don't care if people are telling me crazy shit. I can. The more information I have, the more power I have to to believe not crazy shit. So this is funny because I realize that a lot of this is just like they have these super complex algorithms and they plug in what they don't want to be seen or what should be tagged. But, you know, you're on a meme account and it has like a this is dangerous <laughs> misinformation. Click at your own risk. And it's like on the fake news network yeah, main page. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, this is labeled everywhere that this isn't real. Right. It's insulting. Right. But maybe it shouldn't be. Maybe that's my own problem. Like, you know. It's just it's just funny to me. Well, I do think it's also designed to like sow seeds of doubt. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I and it'll be interesting to see like long term like studies on how the how yeah, yeah. those kinds of warnings impact people's like psyche and decisions. And this I mean this this is a whole other conversation, but an example of this is like some of the fact checking, checking in quote that's been going on with like the most recent uh, Rittenhouse trial. Like things that I knew months ago were not true, were still being as of like a week ago flagged as not true. Yeah. Like, hey, this is false. Fact checkers say that this isn't that this is false, and I'm looking at it. I look at their reasoning, and I say. This two months ago came out as being just blatantly false. It's just weird to me. Right. Well, that's what I mean about like nobody has a monopoly on knowledge. Right. right? And like if we allow more information to spread through, Mm -hmm. to be communicated, we get to the truth faster. I'm confused, Torna. The fact checking thing today is confirming what you knew to be false as false. No, it's no. things that he knew were true, true that were deemed to be false right. months ago, and uh. now people are coming around to acknowledging that it's true. Right. Hmm. It's just interesting to me. And so this goes into the whole, like, controlling truth, and I don't... Who who does, like, Twitter use as their third party? That's what I'd love to know. Who are the fucking fact checkers, right. honestly? Because I think that's important, right? <laughs> Probably. And like- there's a weird balance there, right? Uh, people are crazy. You need some sort of anonymity because... I wouldn't want to be like, I'm Stephen Torna, the fact checker. Like, I'm the guy doing all the fact checking because there'd probably be people throwing Molotov cocktails in my house. Well, no, sure. Right? But so it's like, but how do you? Well, let's be real. Most of the fact checks are blatantly politically motivated. It just, that, that is what it is. And that's part yeah, of you what never the problem get, is. You never get a fact check on like, you know, calculus is fun on Instagram. And it's like, oh, your derivative's wrong. That's not true. <laughs> like you got the wrong answer. Fact check. I had a fact check on Twitter the other day that, you know, like in their under their trending topics, mm. fact checks, right? They had a fact check of, or I guess it was in their what's happening section. <laughs> there you are looking at trending again. <laughs> I know. I'm on it all the time, so I have to. Um, but the fact check was, this is a quote. Climate change is not the result of a natural cycle, according to science research and fact checkers 
That is so wildly misleading. Yeah. And like, I get that, I, you know, this is dumbed down because they assume most of the public is totally underwear, unaware of the Earth's history. But like, that's dangerous, mm-hmm. right? That, to me, that is dangerous. So, so that's fucking disinformation in my mind. Like, right. That is a problem. Right. Describing that as a fact, right? If it just was somebody tweeting that and sharing that information, whatever. I think you should read some books and learn a little bit about our geological history, but like, fine. But to have like the authority mm-hmm. on this platform say, this is the fact. And it's not true. It's objectively not true. There's nobody, there's no climatologists out there who would say that, right? Mm-hmm. But like, and, and granted, probably most people either ignore that or hopefully are educated enough to know that like we've had dramatic climatic shifts throughout Earth's history, right? And we're at the tail end of the last warming cycle and there will be another ice age, you know, like these things are inevitable. And that can be true at the same time as, you know, greenhouse gas emissions as a result of human activity are warming the planet. Both of those things can be true at the same time, right? right? Um, But I think, but dumbing it down to this level is a total disservice. And, and I wonder what are like the subtle psychological effects of somebody who isn't really paying attention, but they see that and that gets stored somewhere in their mind. Right. And that happens enough. And it, it pushes, this pushes people apart because we are going to have a conversation on climate change and we're going to have an in-depth, nuanced discussion about the man-made as well as the natural cycles. And anyone that pays attention to that kind of fact-checking, who's going to listen to it, is going to say, oh, you're a climate denier. You're a climate denier. Because <laughs> fact-checkers and science... Capital S. Science with a capital S, my, you know, science, the god, says, just according to Twitter or whatever, that... This has nothing to do with cycles. Natural climate Natural. shifts. Yeah. And we're making the both and argument. Right. Right. But then you already have that wall set up where that where the discourse almost becomes impossible. Right. And I guess that's where obviously I'm cynical about these mm-hmm. things. But that's where I'm like, okay, what is the purpose of that? You you dumb down the message, you repeat it subtly and often. You're preparing people for something. And then you can put forth your giant legislative package that will make no impact on global emissions. But it serves a different political end, but it can be labeled under, you know, advancing this climate change issue. And you've already prepared your voting block to think that it's that this is a problem that is the result of one particular thing. And if we address this one particular thing with this specific policy solution, then we're going to solve it, quote unquote. So keep voting for me, keep giving me money, keep giving us power. Like, and again, maybe I'm being cynical, but I don't frankly think I'm being realistic about the way these things work. And it's terrifying. Um, But again, you know, then it's like sort of to your consistent point heading, you know, libertarians problems that we're so individualistic, we don't even want to organize and have a party, so we right, never really right. have any power. But it's like, so how do you solve this problem, right? Like, I don't want government oversight. I just want 
the ability to share information freely. And if that means that I'm going to hear something I don't like, or if that means I'm going to be told something that isn't true, that's fine. So long as it isn't presented to me as the only fact I'm allowed to, to know. Right. Yeah. And I guess what's like right now, you know, it's not uh, to the degree we're on Twitter. I can't like have a rebuttal. I did. Right. I like quote tweeted that and like had a long Mm -hmm. thread. And I'm glad I can do that. Right. Like that's the marketplace of ideas in action. Um, But we're seeing more and more of like warnings appear and and limits of searches. And like, where does that end? Does that get to a point where like I get flagged for countering? The Twitter fact check, you know, like I, that might sound far fetched, but some but, of the but, shit we live with today seemed far fetched four years ago. Sure, but also, I mean, I don't know if it's a stretch. And Henning, I'd, I'd like to hear if you think that example is crazy or not. But, um, you know, if they're willing to tag something or put some sort of wall behind it, or at least some sort of information tag. Now, a lot of these tags aren't. You know, with the with the whole COVID, they're thing. designed to discredit. It, sure, is but what it but is. not always because, like with COVID, anything that has anything to do with COVID has like a hey, yeah, click this and you can go to the CDC. Right, right. So <laughs> that annoys me beyond belief. Whatever. Um, well, especially since the, the CDC CDC's... has changed their information regularly, which we've said before is okay. Sure, so long as it isn't fact one month and your it's heresy for pointing out the obvious and then right. the next month what you said was actually now it's in vogue right. and it's okay to talk about like hey this is a crazy thing that's going on there's a lot of information changing and the cdc and the thing is the cdc always claims it as you know law sent from god himself but it's like if they would have just handled it a little different i think a lot more people would be chill with it like hey we're doing our best this is what we got We'll keep oh, sure. you. We're we'll going to give you the best information we have right now. Make rational decisions. Right. That's and a whole other that thing. That information might change. But yeah. if if they have some sort of um a lot of, you know, a lot of them are completely blurred, right? And you have to say like continue anyway or whatever. If they right. think it's such an issue that they put that on, then I don't think it's too far to assume that anybody uh pushing against that could be targeted. It doesn't seem like a crazy jump but maybe i'm wrong well when like domestic terrorism is defined as loosely as it is today i don't think that's far afield sure you don't think that the fbi frankly i <laughs> i might sound like a conspiracy theorist but like you don't think the fbi is like keeping tabs on like certain chat rooms of course they are certain oh, chat oh, rooms oh yeah yeah Threads, comment threads on particular Instagram pages, like people who are pushing back against particular narratives absolutely are oh, being monitored. Well, right, right. And that's just, that's not even social media stuff. It's just government being government. Well, that's but, just the FBI but, being well, the FBI. <laughs> but the Biden administration has in, um, yeah, God, in February, they released this entire like domestic terrorism outline of how they're going to tackle it and like you know the degree of you know basically it was a report or like a memo explaining where it stands today and what they're going to do about it mm -hmm. um and you know of course it's a bunch of like bureaucratic speak and like vague language that you know could be communicated in a sentence and it's like a 10-page thing but sure um 
But ultimately what they talked about was working more closely with social media platforms to share information with each other, to monitor these different, to monitor, you know, potential domestic terrorists. And again, maybe that sounds totally reasonable, but when you realize how loosely that domestic terrorism title is defined, I mean, two weeks ago, it was parents at school board meetings who were up in arms about a particular curriculum, right? Or like sexual assault being covered up in Loudoun County. Right. Right. And then they get enough pushback and, and, you know, the, um, what is it? The, uh, national board of national school board association. Then eventually, you know, they sent that letter to the white house being like, we want the FBI to investigate like these uppity parents at school board meetings because they might be potential domestic terrorists. And then Merrick Garland came out and was like, we're going to use the FBI to investigate potential domestic terrorists at school board meetings. And then there was a ton of pushback. And then, oh, it turns out that then this letter, nobody knew about the letter. And then eventually it came out that the National School Board Association had written a letter directly to the Biden White House. And then they had drafted the memo that was sent to Merrick Garland. And then like two days later, he came out with his order. Um, And then the School Board Association like walked it back wrote another letter, a, po- a public letter apologizing. Apparently there were, they hadn't even, the people who authored the letter hadn't even consulted with the different state affiliates. Some of the state affiliates have actually disassociated themselves with the national mm-hmm. chapter, like total shit show. But if they hadn't gotten pushback, would, the, would there be parents right now who are targets of the Federal Bureau of Investigation? Right. As if if as if any like scuffles couldn't have been handled by local police authorities. Not to mention the fact that like the main one that they cited was the father whose daughter had been sexually assaulted by a boy. Yeah. Who that's a whole story. Yeah. But anyway, um maybe we should tell that story by a boy who was claiming to be transgender who went into a women's bathroom and anally raped a girl. And her father went to a school board meeting and lost his shit and got in a fight with a cop. And that was the prime example that the school board association used in their letter to the White House to claim that these parents are domestic terrorists. Right. You know, so anyway, so it's like, so if people aren't pushing back like that, that would have been. That definition of what is a domestic terrorist is loose. And I think it's dangerous how loose it is. And so people who potentially push back against, like, quote unquote facts, I think very likely are targeted. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so any, it's a scary, it's a scary mess that we're in. And I don't actually, I, you know, like I said before, I've said this throughout tonight. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is because it's, I don't, it's not government oversight. No, no, no. I think... Before before I maybe kind of wrap stuff up with a nice little maybe uh, <laughs> here's some positive like here's some things that I think are a solution. Uh, Henning, do you have any thoughts? Like, do you think that this is overblown? Do you think it matters? Like, uh, I, very often tonight I'm I'm just caught in uh, a space where I uh, frankly don't know what we're talking about because I don't follow it like you guys do, so I I don't feel qualified sure. at all to comment on it. Okay. Sure. Uh, my first thought is that, uh, I mean, yeah, if the, if the alternative we don't like is government oversight of someone like 
Twitter doing some version of their own censorship or whatever. I mean, like the solution might be get rid of Section 230 and then we just don't have social media anymore. We could go back to getting our info from, you know, network TV and newspapers if that's what we want. Because that's that's truly like the Internet as it is exists because 230 is what it is. Yeah, although right, it'll be interesting why... to see how Web3... Oh, I don't know what Web3 is. The but... crypto internet that'll be coming out. Oh, that sounds interesting. I don't think, Henning, <laughs> we've talked about the 230 thing. I think that's like, I think people get... I think it's a mistake when people try to say, like, big tech censors people, so we should do away with yeah, Section right. 230. I agree with you that that would, like, undermine the entire integrity of the internet, mm-hmm. and it would actually benefit large... Um, entities like Facebook and Twitter who have the resources to deal with lawsuits and it would actually push out their smaller competition. Mm-hmm. So I think that's actually would have the opposite result of what people who advocate for that yeah. want. And ultimately the the whole town square conversation, I, I think as much as it feels as if it behaves like a town square, like the question is still about uh, property rights, right? Like the servers of Twitter are Twitter's property. Therefore they can like operate them however they want. But when we talk about public square, we're actually talking about like government property in municipalities, right? So like Mm, the, the, the presence of like being able to collect yourself in a public square, like public parks are a great example of that, right? Like the, those operate differently than if you showed up in a park that's like maintained by an HOA, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So I guess those, those are my thoughts there. I was wondering, should a president be allowed to lie? Um, I think, yes, he should be allowed to lie. That doesn't mean that there aren't repercussions. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially a president is directly accountable to the people, yeah. right? Like you don't like him, you vote right. him out. Which They're conveniently lying. happened in 2020 from our liar and chief, ex liar in chief. Um, yeah, totally. And will happen again probably in 2024 with our second one. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Unfortunately, that's kind of who uh, Unfortunately, a trail of impeachments through three different presidents reveal that we don't like liars in the Oval Office. Right. Right? So, like, that's right. cool. Right, and so, like, don't... So isn't that enough? Like, don't we have sufficient recourse mm-hmm. there? Yeah, I mean, we might. No. Um, I'm wondering if I can frame it this way, because... For for as much as I am undereducated, clearly compared to you two about the 2016 election allegations, um, I think the same goes for the 2020 election allegations. You know, all, all the stop the steal nonsense and then, you know, however many challenges mm-hmm. to that election happened in courts and every judge throughout those cases based on the facts available to him or her, you know, mm-hmm. like th- this has been the most scrutinized presidential election in the history of our country and nothing suggests that Trump is right about him winning it and it being stolen somehow by, you know, like particularly rigged machines or vans being swapped out in the middle of the road. Right. Anything like that. So, but I'm wondering is, is what happened because I finally just put these two together is is what happened is that the the same media outlets that you guys talk about being like all about the Russian collusion stuff in 2016 harping on that for years and years and eventually it just kind of fizzles out because like oh shit <laughs> some of that was wrong you know like 
some of the things that we thought were like smoking guns were not smoking guns or whatever. Back to like the basic framing of our conversation about lying is what happened is that these media outlets ruined their reputation to a degree that when they started reporting on what was what was being found about the 2020 election just enough people didn't believe them oh i think that's a I big think that's part, part of, it. of it distrust in, in media yeah and the thing again going just a little bit back to the whole like doing a disservice in the end like i get that like the major like the majority of the arguments and cases were not true and ended up in court being dismissed which mm-hmm. is good but when all of these social media things are like not letting anyone even talk about it right it does a disservice to actual like voting security because there were cases and there always is cases of fraud and there was some like and again not targeted not massing but like well not on, on not on, on this a, scale to actually overturn the election but there's fraud in every single right. election but right. there were yeah. some big cases of actual like weird like one crazy person there was like a republican that did it it was like 12,000 ballots mm-hmm. and then there was like a democratic guy that had like 15,000 ballots like that's not insignificant and when you when you put that wall up and you say this is completely false and anything about it's wrong one like you said it, the people that are super skeptical obviously are looking at the ones that are false and being like look at this example but then also the ones where you know a little bit more of a bipartisan like no this actually happened it it creates that further distrust and the further radicalization in quotes of what they're trying to to prevent so the, i don't know yeah, it seems the erosion seems of trust is certainly the element that is the the most puzzling part of this to try and solve you know yeah it, and this is something that like you know, the libertarian organizations that I follow, like like Fee or Reason, they've been, like, grappling with this issue for a while. And, like, there isn't Reason, frankly, I love Reason. I'd love for, to work for Reason one day. But mm-hmm. they kind of have a cop out on this and are like, well, you know, they're private companies and do what they want. Right. That, to me, is not enough of a solution, like, at all. Um, because it's still a problem. And sometimes, like, your principles aren't, like, like sometimes you have to move beyond like the theory and yeah, but in the analogy of the marketplace, right, I, don't know I think if... it's doing exactly what we would want it to do, as like the freest version of the marketplace we have right now. Like, you know, we like marketplace of ideas is a fun phrase we use a lot, and you know, in in yes, it's it's an effective tool, Instagram and Twitter, to get the word out about Perk or Highline or the Whiskey Bench, you know. But I think we all kind of know what we're signing up for, right? When we create an account, we understand that these companies are fickle and that they can change on a dime. And like, really, like the best libertarian takes I hear is like, yeah, just create an infrastructure outside of that. You know, build your own email list, like build a literal mailing list if you want to. But like, find the people yeah. you can reach through yeah. Twitter to get the information that basically like uh it's like recession proofing but social media proofing <laughs> right right and you know and that's a good counter argument because it's it's true like social media is a very new thing and it's a wonderful tool and it's helped a lot of people find success much quicker than they mm-hmm. would have um and in some cases 
has given people success that they probably don't deserve. But that trade-off um, is understanding that when we sign up, that we are volunteering to Jack to be his product. Right, which is something I think people yeah. need to realize, right? You know, we're the product. It's a great tool. Um, part of it, I think, really is the entitlement of the the time in, in the world that we live. Like, I know I'm like, oh, I feel like, you know, people feel like they're entitled to be able to use this thing. And if they can't, like, it's not fair or it's mm. it's a right. You know, people have been fine without social media for a long time. And I would make the argument that they've been better off without it. Sure. So maybe maybe it's not the option. And it is true. I, I do agree that so many people are on the platform now that it does kind of become this digital, you know, I, town square. But going into some solutions like build robust communities, like mailing lists and, and other forms of community. Like Yeah. It doesn't take a huge community to have a, a robust, thriving thing right yeah i mean i guess it, i guess that solution just takes time which is okay right. and takes will and numbers um i guess on an individual level maybe it doesn't matter so much if you get you know kicked off twitter but if you're in the world of like power and influence or you want to be in that world mm -hmm. or you want to communicate to people on a mass scale and like you know get them to vote for you or whatever it is like not being on these platforms is a huge disadvantage. And I just worry about it being co-opted by a particular party True. and manipulated. Again, another counter argument to the counter argument that I just made, like say you're a unsavory candidate and you've, you know, aren't on these other platforms. What's to say that MSNBC or CNN or some of these big umbrella corporations that have TV are like, we're just not going to air him talking. Well, and that does happen. Sure. And right. then and then it really is like, what are your options? Like, yeah. And I guess my point, and, and I guess but again, people get back did it. to what we were... did it without it. Yeah. But the rules of the games <laughs> have changed. That's people true. did it without it when they, nobody else was doing it. But that, that's right? fair. That's so fair. They're operating on the same playing field. But, and I guess, hey, you know again, what? it's, it's a question though of like, who's the gatekeeper of deciding like, it sounds reasonable, like, oh, an unsavory political candidate gets, like, shadow banned from all of these different accounts and nobody gives him airtime. Like, good, he's unsavory. We don't want that. Sure. But when it's potentially not, when it's potentially somebody who's, like, rational and has good ideas. and it's Sure, even if you look at someone like Tulsi Gabbard and, like, how the Democratic Party right. despised <laughs> her and, and all of that yeah. drama. You might not agree like, with me, but I feel the same could, about the way Andrew Yang was treated by the media, too, so... Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Totally. No, I like Andrew. Totally. Yang. Yeah. I wish I would because, have heard more of him. Because both of those both of those candidates spoke to the nuance. Yeah. Yeah. And in our increasingly divisive culture, you can't do that. And you're either on one extreme or the other. And increasingly our ways of communicating are on those extreme ends. And that to me is that what's worrying about that is I think it further creates this gulf. And then there's a ton of people who just kind of fall into this void in the middle. Mm -hmm. And they're silenced because of that. And maybe enough people fall into that void that, like, there's no one left on the other flanks. And maybe eventually, yeah, we all find a different way to communicate. And we don't, like, I advocate for unplugging from all of it. But, I mean, that's a long-term, not necessarily solution, but alternative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. I think the biggest thing is to just 
this goes a little bit into the whole anti-fragility thing too because with censorship and lying like lying can be uncomfortable can be uncomfortable if you're the one doing it can also be uncomfortable if you're the one receiving the lie honesty can um, be wildly uncomfortable too well often more than, yeah, lying. More than lying right and <laughs> yeah. that's why uh that's why people lie that's why jordan <laughs> peterson says a hard truth is better than a soft lie um hmm. i think that's something to live by right like might sting at the start um telling someone a hard truth but you can do it with tact, okay? I'm not saying, like, be mean, but, you <laughs> yeah. know, uh, being realistic um, is much better than, than a lie in the end. Because, I think ultimately people respect that more, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but encouraging people to, to not be afraid of lies or misinformation and, you know, again, like I said, the anti-agility thing, it's like, get exposed to that, engage with it. I know a lot of people are like, again, part of it is, like, because we live in this Everything's a battle because I don't engage with ideas that I don't like because I know it's like, I just look at it. I'm like, huh, all right. I don't think that's true. Yeah, there is work to do. And there's, there's even a nuance to this take where I think like it is, it is reasonable to full on reject the thoughts of the wild people on either side, the crazy loud or, or honestly like. Torna, it, it has baffled me to this day that you even give young Turks the light of day on your <laughs> media <laughs> consumption. Um, because, like, I think there are far more reasonable people that try to get at the same things that are easier to digest, who take the time to, like, really try and gather their information and present it. I, okay, so here's, and, and I do listen to some of those people. The reason I listen to the Young Turks, this is the honest truth, they push my limits of understanding so much. And and also, again, I'm putting them into tribes, these people, that people. But, like, the people that think like that are good to understand because those are the kind of people that are, like, potentially violent revolutionarists. Um, and so I like to understand, like, what's their thinking and, like, yeah, like, Wow, that seems a lot. But like there are a lot of people that think like that. And I probably encounter them every day and so it's important. And yeah. I don't try to get too worked up on it. Like I said, I never engage. I'm not trying to start a fight with anybody. No, that's why. But it's like people think like this. Same thing with the you know, anyone that's like these crackpots think these crazy things like yes. But other people think like that. So, like. I think, too, this actually is just sparking just a, a thought. Taste. <laughs> I think your approach, Torna, is really healthy. And maybe that's part of the answer is like, not only should we be allowed to consume and share untruths or exaggerated truths or, you know, things not in their proper context, but we should also, like, but by, by, consuming that that's part of the solution we're getting to know those people you're bridging that divide you're you're i'm sure in that process there's probably been moments when you're listening to the young turks where there is some aspect of it that you can understand right there maybe there's some perspective that you can understand at least maybe where they're coming from initially you don't like the conclusion but maybe you can kind of understand part of the thought process absolutely and that humanizes them right and I think the further that our institutions, whether they be public or private, 
limit our ability to explore the other side, that further divides us. And it totally, I mean, it, it creates, like I said, it creates that gulf, like where it just, we're so much farther from ever finding common ground mm -hmm. with each other. I think I've said this before, and this is something that's very, very important. Like every person I really think should try, like with all of their might to not be divisive. And it's easy. And I am so guilty of like looking at people and their ideas and being like, oh my gosh, these are bad people, yada, yada, yada. But like, there are actual bad people that want the, the general populace to be divided. That's the trend in history. Division is not a good thing. We've monetized division yeah, too. Yeah, honestly. Which is bad. Maybe we always have. It's just on a bigger scale. Now. Yeah, maybe that's it. We also, yeah. we're in a connected world, right? It's. Yeah, everything's weird. amplified. Yeah, yeah. All of these things have been there and are. They're part of human nature, but they're amplified to a degree that's unprecedented. Even in, like, just in our lifetimes, when you think about it. Yeah, totally. I remember going, I remember when I first went on the internet. I was a little late. Family down computer. But I remember when we finally got one. <laughs> I was like, wow, what is, what is this? What is is this? this real? Yeah, in a chat room, I'm talking to some, like, older guy and you're like oh no what is this <laughs> i always just had like google gmail never my parents are always like don't talk to strangers and i've got great stories of becoming great friends with strangers online and yeah. traveling across the country to visit them and right. weird times but you know man yeah it's true nothing ever bad came from my conversation yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know if this is the right uh, time torna. So I left a break there, but in the in the spirit of honesty, um, probably worth broadcasting starting now. Some of the changes that are happening in January. Yeah, we, that was one of that's on our to do list of like priorities of addressing. That. Amazing. Well, so in that case, I had the displeasurable, uncomfortable experience of sending you guys an email a while ago, um. And we've been in talks and we're, we're headed to a place in January where I will actually be stepping out of the whiskey venture arena. Um, and, uh, and letting you guys like fly this plane on your own. Yes. Yep. The end of an era. Raise a glass. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we'll cheers oh, to you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we'll cheers and we'll, to you. And this isn't our no. final episode together. No, it's not our final episode together. We've got several yeah. more. And and we've been, Torna and I have been thinking about creative ways to kind of bring a fresh take to Whiskey Bench yes. in 2022. Um, so this is, it's a bit sad to close this chapter, but um, I think our listeners have, much to look forward to. In the It'd be interesting to so. hear from yeah. listeners who like have been engaging us on Twitter already, like, you know, like thoughts they would have on the next chapter starting in January. Cause that's the thing is first episode in January will be my first time off the show. So I'm, I'm here throughout the rest of the year. Um, but this felt like a, the right time to start broadcasting that early and probably often in the, the next few episodes just to, make it clear that the show is going to be changing a bit. But um mm -hmm. yeah. yeah absolutely. So, man, yeah, especially in the context of uncomfortable honesty, that 
I was like sick to my stomach the night I sent that email to you guys. I think we talked about that in our private meeting, but right. um, right. Yeah. That was one of those, that was one of those moments where like, uh, I, I cannot frame it in like continuing to lie about like staying on the whiskey bench. That's not the right way to say it, but it, it did weigh on me heavily that like, the the price of honesty is uncomfortable right now and it would be so much easier to let sure. this coast or let this go another week or something but um knowing that uh you two are planners and that you like having you know um time and space to you know build something up for the next year uh i knew i needed and owed you that space and uh, frankly i respect you enough to give you that so even in the context of, of right. our episode today, like that honesty, while uncomfortable, I recognize, and the three of us recognize that that was like, that was the, the best way of handling things. Cause now I think we're all definitely on the same page and especially like moving forward with optimism and hope. And, and that's also not to say, uh, with my time, you know, post January that I will never be on the show again. No, not at all. I I would hope right you'll be a part of the show at least if not you know just time from time to time but maybe you know another chapter where you're a co-host <laughs> and Henning snips, comes back snips, snips, the snips, prodigal snips, son twenty twenty three Henning's yeah, yeah, back yeah. <laughs> the prodigal has returned yeah yes yes <laughs> yeah. yeah we have elections for seats on this show every oh, two that's years. Fun. Right. On That's the fine. <laughs> but we don't fill offices if people resign. <laughs> right, no. right. We don't we backfill. Would that be a fun model? Oh, yikes. Would that be a fun? Yeah. See how trimmed down you can get the bureaucracy. <laughs> Turns out we didn't need a secretary of state. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. Well, thank you, friends. All right. Well, yep, of course, we'll be we'll be talking more about restructuring and plans that we have as we uh, wrap up the, the last handful of episodes. What, what do we have, three, four episodes left for, before the new year? I think something like that. Three? Yeah, something? I think three. There's a lot of fun holidays coming up, so. Yeah, we will not be recording next week. Right. Which is Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Happy yeah. Thanksgiving, everyone. Yeah. Honestly, because we won't be recording. Um, I hope that everyone... Don't deep you. fry frozen turkeys. Well, That's my safety announcement. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Explosions. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and we will catch you all next month in December. In two weeks. Yep. December. So yeah, with that. Cheers. 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 Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for joining us on the Whiskey Bench. If you would do us a favor, please tell a friend about the show in person, with a text, or by sharing about it on social media. You can join us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest, all at Whiskey Bench Pod. And don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Remember, always drink responsibly, and cheers to a fulfilled life with all its beauty.
Hey gang, Keller Paulson here. I know what you're thinking. What's going on? Who is this guy? Am I right? Well, I'm the host of Keller's Couch. Now, Keller's Couch is an interview podcast where I, Keller Paulson, interview people I find interesting that are doing cool things in the community. But it's not just that. My friends at Slapstick Improv and myself, we also do some improv comedy and sketch comedy every other episode. So, if this tickles your fancy, why don't you scoot on down and pop a squat on Keller's couch. Bye. Highline Media Network. Artist-owned podcasts by normal people in normal places.